Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm joined by Najia Baji. Najia is an artist, creative learning curator, yoga teacher, and deep listening facilitator. She is also a hardcore 90s R&B fangirl. I had a really wonderful, wonderful time talking with Najia. We mostly talked about our shared love for Whitney Houston, um, whilst also touching on the wonders of macaroni and how absence shows up in art making and music. I'm so excited to share this with you. It feels like a gorgeous episode to be ending series one on and I'd love to hear what you think either by popping us a message or an email you can find how to contact us in the show notes thank you so much for joining me for season one and here is my conversation with Najia hi Najia welcome hello (laughs) I'm so glad to have you here thank you for joining me today how are you doing I'm so glad to be here I'm really excited to be talking to you and I'm well yes I'm very well. I feel quite energized today, which is nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Lovely. doing okay. Right. <laughs> well, we're going to start with um, the question that I start every episode with, uh, which is what's nourishing you this week? And it can be silly. It can be really profound if you want it to be, but I will, I'll share mine first to help you out. So my nourishing thing this week is that I have been listening to lots of new music, which is not always the case for me. I listen to lots and lots of music, but not all of it is necessarily new. Uh, but two bands that I really like this week have either released new singles or a new album. Um, and I've been listening to those. One of them is Alt-J, who are from Leeds, mm. and I really love. They've got two new singles out. And then an Australian band that I really like called Parcels have just released their new album. Um, we'll link to them in the show notes, but I have been enjoying listening to new content Mm. um, and finding that very nourishing. What about you? So nice. Mm. Yeah, I I also go through those phases where you're finding new music. Actually, um, a couple of things. One is music, particularly a song um, by Monica Martin called Go Easy Kid, which is just like this heartbreakingly... um, wise and optimistic and sad song that just I don't know it's telling me something at the moment Mm. and I think the title kind of says it all it's it's yeah it's about going easy on yourself and kind of your expectations that is nourishing me I really love listening to that song Mm. Um, and I would say food I wanted to say food because I'm um, eating lots of like homemade things this week mm. and they are like pasta and pizza based deliciousnesses and I just <laughs> I just love food so much so yeah I'm gonna go home to have pizza homemade pizza after this so. I'm really jealous mm. carbs are my love language oh, I love carbs so much <laughs> you know when people are like physical touch words of affirmation I'm like no 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 you <laughs> Like how I show you I love you is by feeding you carbs. Yes. Yeah. The that's bigger, how I feel loved. <laughs> yeah. The bigger the scoop of carbs. And like I have a friend staying with me at the moment and I made her some pasta with Stilton cheese in last night. Oh. So good. And uh, so I'm like, that's exactly. I'm like, more? Just have one more spoonful. Do you want some more? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm feeling, uh, yeah, I'm feeling nourished by really nice food and and that song i would say oh that's mm. so nice 
Mm -hmm. I have a follow-up question, which is if you could only have one carbohydrate for the rest of your life, which one would you pick? Oh my God, I love that question. And why? Okay. If Putting I could, you on the spot. It would be, I know it's pasta, so I'm just trying to think of the shape. So okay. I want to be specific. So I think it would be macaroni. Okay. And that's because I love the feeling of it in my mouth as well as Correct. it just being an excellent tasting carb. Mm. And I think it goes with so many different sauces, cheesy, tomatoey. Mm -hmm. Agreed. There's also something about the sort of shape of macaroni, which like the way it holds sauce is so delicious mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's got so much space. There's so many different small parts that it can fit lots yeah. of sauce in between yeah. your pieces. Also, you can eat it with a spoon, which I'm a huge fan of because you can get more mm. in your in mouth. Your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and then also when you bite down on a little tubelet, like sometimes mm. the sauce like mm. makes its way out while it's inside your mouth. Mm. Mm -mm. And you can have it on its own, like with some butter or oil. I mean, yes. I just, <laughs> I don't often, but you know, you can. So like if that was literally all that you had for a while. It would still be a meal. It would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Thank you for sharing that with me. That was Thank joyous. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hear a little bit about you. So I'm curious to know, you have a really, you do a really interesting array of things. And I'm curious to know a little bit about your background and how you would describe what you do. Mm -hmm. It depends um, what kind of mood I'm in. Sometimes I describe it as too many things. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I'll kind of list the things. To, so to list the things I, I spend time on and I guess make money from, I am a yoga teacher um, and wrapped up in that is a little bit, I suppose, about listening. Uh, I've taught some courses on deep listening recently. Mm, what's deep listening? <sighs> deep listening is... Um, a method of meditation and sounding that was created by an artist called Pauline Oliveros. And she started making electronic music in the, I'm going to say 60s, but a, a proper fan will, will listen to this and might say I'm wrong. But she um, she was incredibly well known in, in, the, in that circle of making kind of yeah, weird electronic music before, before its time. Mm. And then she put a microphone one day on her windowsill in San Francisco. She lived in at the time. And she realized when she listened back to what she'd recorded that she was so mindful and in the moment and she heard things that she never heard, but through the act of listening, she'd kind of, yeah, opened up these time and space things oh, as wow. well, where she was having memories and she was kind of, feeling like she could she could notice other people's perspectives because she could hear you know someone on the street talking and she was suddenly drawn into kind of their perspective and then she she as one of the things she did created these um sonic meditations and they are exercises that anyone can do regardless of how um you don't have to have any musical training mm. and they're really meditative and they remind they would remind us of yoga and meditation, but they're also about sounding. So you, for example, you might inhale and make an, any note in a group okay. and then <clears throat> you would inhale again and you would make a note that you can hear from someone else and mm. then you would inhale again and you would try to hit the note that's in the middle of everything you can hear. 
and then you stay on that note until it ends. And that they're as simple as the instructions are. And you just end up in these really big, magical kind of spaces of, um, yeah, of right. connection with people. So I've been doing wow. a bit of that recently. Um, so yoga teacher, yoga deep teacher, listening work. Deep listening work, um, some meditation in with the yoga. I am an artist and a musician, so I, I think they kind of wrap around mm. into one another. Um, and I make work that is really about listening quite a lot of the time in mm -hmm. one way or another mm -hmm. and kind of creating spaces for um, maybe in between states or unknown states and absence. Um, mm. So I, I did make work about heartbreak for a few years um, because I was heartbroken and then that developed into more kind of work that is centred or starts with movement. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, and then I started to realise or what what I kind of was questioning what's the thread, what's the what's the thing about heartbreak and then movement and breath. And I think it is that I'm interested in the absent and um yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I really love that. So I yeah. I'm an author. That's so interesting. I think I was um in a previous episode I have a conversation with Simran about uh, about this very thing like when you do many different things or you express yourself in many different ways sort of stepping back and allowing the pattern to emerge mm. to see what it is that connects all of those things can be really mm. really fascinating and you know that for you it's like absence and listening and these like liminal spaces mm -hmm. is oh, exactly gorgeous yeah exactly yeah and it's it's you saying that makes me think that it's also okay not to to know the pattern but for me and um, I'm sure you and many others it's hard to give that space to ourselves and we're kind of like what is the what is the thread what is the connection mm -hmm. between these things and mm -hmm. obviously it's it's you yeah it's the person yeah and, yeah 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 I think as well sometimes you know, coming back to the way that you first answered that question of like, oh, some days I say it's too many things. Mm -hmm. That can also, that's like the, that's the flip side to the feeling connected to the thread. The flip side is like, oh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I do too much. Do mm -hmm. I need to like refine this? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And kind of, um, I guess in my doubtful phases, I, I just feel, I can feel quite tired mm. Um and think if I focus on one thing, would I be better at it? Um, mm. But um, but I never let any any of them go. So mm. <laughs> I I, lo I love I love it all. I'm also a creative learning curator um, at, at a contemporary art gallery in London called the Mosaic Rooms, and we promote art from. Uh, contemporary culture from the Arab world and beyond, or the Swana region, which is Southwest Asia and North Africa. Oh. That work gives me a really good um, opportunity to meet lots of different artists who are working in lots of different ways, and also to become, yeah, aware of contemporary Arab culture, which is really important to me for probably reasons we'll go into in the next question. Yes, well, that <laughs> was the my next ne question after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I think, I think what I 
what I'm admiring of and what I'm enjoying about it is that there's a real richness to what you do, mm. you know, a real depth and like one of the things I'm really interested in exploring is just generally in practice and teaching in life is how the personal and the, the universal intersect. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my teachers is is fond of saying the closer you get to something, the more intimate you, you become with something, mm-hmm. the less personal it gets and the more universal it becomes. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes, you know, the closer we get to ourselves – the less like the less personal we become, not in a bad sense, but mm. not in a depersonalizing way, but the closer mm. we get to something, the more intimate we become with it, mm. the more we're able to appreciate like interconnectedness and the richness and the mm. sort of um the closeness of mm. existence. Gosh, I really like that. I kind of I'm not sure if it's what you're saying, but I'm interpreting it a little bit as that in that as you get more comfortable with something, you stop making it so much about you. Mm. Maybe that's mm. not exactly what you're saying but that's kind of what I'm taking as well yeah I think you start to see you just the connectedness of the bigger yeah bigger picture you have a broader perspective on things yeah that's lovely isn't that lovely it's a nice thing it's a nice way to think about things the deeper you fall in love with someone the more you understand about love not necessarily just that person person. yeah exactly (gasps) (laughs) well speaking speaking of love um it's not the only reason I brought you here because <laughs> uh-huh. um, I wanted to talk to you about lots of things, but we share a love. Mm, we do. <laughs> Gia and I share a, a deep, deep love for the very wonderful Whitney Houston. Mm, yeah, we do. It's lovely to talk to you about Whitney Houston because I know lots of people like her music, but I feel like when we talk about her, we... We need we need to talk more about her, but every time we do, we you, I can see it in your mm. eyes that you you deeply appreciate her like I do. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's what's your favorite song? I know you're asking me questions, but what a cruel question to ask. So cruel. <laughs> mm, bit easy. Mm. I have nothing. <sighs> it literally destroys choice. me. <laughs> obliterates me like I'm a crumpled mess on the floor like on the inside Mm. after listening to that song Mm. but interestingly maybe well interesting to me um, (laughs) and me (laughs) I I will always love you Mm. is the first song I ever remember hearing wow yeah wow yeah that must have so I would have been like three because bodyguard was 1993 to 1993 wasn't it yeah yeah. yes yeah so you were just tiny and you remember hearing the song yeah and watching the video in australia on saturday mornings there's this um there's this video music program called rage Mm. where they play um the music videos and it's not anything like there's no well when i was a kid there was no host it was just like Mm -hmm. the songs would come on one after the other and i have like crystal clear memories of the house I was living in with my parents and watching this television and there being Whitney Houston there with the the bodyguard video clip and I must have been three Mm. um 
that and um, Meatloaf, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. But <laughs> They're two very yeah, different two songs. Very different songs. <laughs> uh, but I Will Always Love You is the first song I remember listening to. But I think as I've got older, mm. I Have Nothing has become like, you know, the, the, the front runner. Mm. What about you? Well, the first one I heard was... Saving All My Love For You. And that's the first Whitney Houston song I heard. And I wasn't three, so I wasn't quite so young, but I think I was only about seven or eight. Mm. And I felt like I understood what she was talking about. And I I sang it, so I I sing. I'm a singer. Mm. And um, at that age, I was probably between seven and ten, just beginning to sing yeah. to my mum and she had to turn around and not look at me because I was you know, too shy. And I was singing this song, maybe a little bit older, maybe eight or nine. I was singing it and I wouldn't sing the words making love. I'd be like, we'll be mm-hmm, the whole <laughs> night through. And my mum was like, mm. <laughs> this is kind of, <laughs> she like took me to one side and she was like, you know, this song is about like having an affair and and I didn't know that, but I did know it sounded really sad and longing and, oh, I loved it. So that's the first one I heard. And the, my favourite one, it does change, but up the upbeat is I want to dance with somebody. Yeah. I love that song. My upbeat is How Will I Know. Amazing choice. But I want to dance with somebody. Also exceptional. Exceptional, exceptional. And um, I have nothing. Uh, uh, if I if I had favourites fast and slower, yeah. it would be, yeah, I want to dance with somebody and I have nothing. And same, it floors me, the vulnerability and just the way she holds her voice and herself. It's incredible. Well, this is the thing that is so, I think, underappreciated about Whitney Houston mm-hmm. is that there is so much vulnerability in her music mm-hmm. and... For me, like on a really personal level, I'm somebody that struggles with vulnerability. I hate it. Mm. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate being vulnerable, Mm. like in relationship, whether it's friends or partners or family, like I really struggle to like allow that in myself. But one of the ways I access it is through like music, from Whitney and other artists, but Whitney Houston in particular, Mm. it like, it unlocks this part of me and sort of it makes it okay for me to sort of be a little bit softer and squishier and, um, yeah. Mm. That's so lovely. I think that's, that's so lovely. I, I wouldn't say I struggle with vulnerability in the same way, mm. but I find it, but similarly to, to, to you, I find it maybe difficult to find as much time for vulnerability as I'd like to. Mm. So listening to, I mean, singing f- for me mm. is a huge, I mean, all of my songs are sad. And to, to listen to my music, you'd be like, oh, my God, is she okay? She's she's obviously never okay. And I, I am often really, really okay. But it's just that, but that that gives me a key. But, yeah, Whitney, I mean, yeah, that I Have Nothing is like, 
it's it's kind of the beyond it's kind of the mm. it's the edge of feeling like so much of your belief in love in so much of your hope is resting in mm. the arms of someone else or in or in the the feeling that you have between you mm. and then to say you know if if you weren't here I would have nothing I mean nothing and and the way she yeah I think just today actually because I was <laughs> we were preparing, preparing. Right? we were both preparing <laughs> and I watched her sing um he's all the all the man that I need oh this is the welcome home heroes one isn't yeah, it yeah. yeah we'll link we'll link this one in the show notes because it's it's so wonderful it's a sermon it's a mm. And many of the, the performances she performances she did were sermons mm. to, like, where everybody is. Yeah, there's a real spiritual aspect to them, isn't there? Absolutely, where everyone is not only hanging on her, almost as a deity, mm. or, or maybe as a like channel. And she believed that, like, she was so very religious. And mm. but, and then there, then there's the aspect in that performance where you've got all of these military personnel mm. i have a strong negative feeling towards the military but to see them all there and just like i mean they are transfixed and mesmerized mm. aren't they mm -hmm. and the way in that clip the way that she walks across the stage and reaches out to sort of touch people and you know hold their hand and she you know she's making eye contact and she you know she gave so much in her performances mm. didn't she yeah she did you're right she's yeah there are there are Im there was imagery that really inspired me and I started to think about an art project where that somehow the the, the outstretched hand mm. was so kind of I'm gonna say biblical but maybe I mean sort of like has Christian yeah well I think undertones. there's like there's something about reaching out to somebody regardless of like regardless of religion like it's a gesture of welcomeness mm. and like offering mm. and mm. yeah and giving and kind of maybe recognizing that you you feel there's a power I felt like she felt there was a power inside her that she was offering mm. the way she was reaching wasn't kind of like hello it was kind of like yeah this like I I feel powerful I'm full of love for you I really mm. believe in I'm so like vibrating with you know all of the music that she was making on on that stage and she was almost like offering some of that power out and, mm. and allowing it was like she was allowing people to I think there's a lot that she um what am I trying to say she gave permission mm. for people to step into that experience yes She's sort of, she was bringing people and she's saying, here's, you know, here's this thing. You're, it's okay to sort of, you know, feel this way or to connect to this experience. Like, mm -hmm. you know, come in, come in, come in. Yes, you're right. She did. And, and, and I've, I've not seen anyone, I've not seen a performance live or recorded of anyone else that does that. Like well, she does. I think she's just, she was easily one of the best vocalists and performers of the past hundred years. Like, yeah. Like a voice like that hasn't existed since. No. I love to watch her be so powerful. I love to watch her singing and hardly moving her body or mouth and this like 
massive sound massive sound comes out and she's enjoying it i love to see performances where she's kind of like she feels she's really sensual isn't she she's Mm. very very um when you watch her performing live she was very very embodied Mm -hmm. like right there so present so like in in herself particularly in the uh, like you know in the late 80s early early 90s you know things sort of shifted as I think as a life took hold Mm -hmm. but so incredibly there and here and now with you know whoever she was in front of and whatever music was happening Mm, you're right yeah yes she didn't seem in those in those early years and I must admit that that's most of the performances mm. that I'll kind of watch and be inspired yeah. by. Yeah, she was very present and in, yeah, in her body. And her body was so, like, she would just do a little shrug of the shoulders or a little kind of curl of the lip, you mm. know. She's got like, or a, she has a thing where she frowns, but it's different to when I frown. And there's like one line that comes across in between her eyebrows as though her nose comes up and her forehead comes down. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think. And um, these little things, and they'll just happen a tiny little thing in in when she's singing and it will just like tell you another like novel's worth of Mm. feeling behind the one word that she just sang. Oh, God, I love her. We love her. We love her. She's just so brilliant. And I think for me as well, like coupled with the tragedy of like her life, Mm. it just devastates me. Um, I saw her live the, it must have been 2010. It was her last tour. And that it was such, it was such a surreal experience because her last album that came out was sort of, like it did really well. It was number one, and there was there was this energy of like reclamation around it, um, and seeing her live was such a important experience for me, mm. and it was so beautiful, but so sad at the same time because her voice had really changed quite a lot, yeah, and you know, it's still this voice that you know and love and the performer that you know and love. But there was, it was almost like there was this grieving happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then she died, you know, 18 months later. Did she sing I Have Nothing? I can't remember. I don't think so. I could look up the track list for it. Um, She did sing I Will Always Love You. Yeah. But like without the high note. Yeah, because her voice has her bit, voice had been damaged. damaged yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there was grieving and kind of like almost like a. It seemed like she'd accepted or moved into a phase where she wasn't mm. fighting for like her health or. Mm. Um, I saw an interview she did with. Have you seen the interview that she did with Oprah Winfrey? No, it's um. It's lovely, but it's sad. And there's a part in it where, and it's not all sad, but there's a part in it where they're talking about her marriage to Bobby Brown. Mm. And I think they might have separated or something had happened where it was publicly known that there was some issues and because Oprah knew about it and she was Mm. like. Well, he battered her, didn't he? Like, yeah. 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 
And she was, I remember really seeing it for the first time because I've watched the interview since and Oprah was saying, um, so, you know, what's, what happens or like, what is, mm. what's, what's, what's going on? And she was saying, well, you know, Whitney Houston was like, well, you know, when somebody's kind of intimidated by how big you are, like sometimes they want to make you feel smaller. Mm. And the, I just thought like, does anyone else famous say something so that's so honest yeah. and so like everyone's been in a relationship like that. Mm -hmm. And Oprah Winfrey looked at her, was like kind of, she was incred incredulous and she, she looked at her and she was shocked and she was like, but you're Whitney Houston. You make yourself small for, to keep a man happy. And Whitney mm. was like, kind of shrugged and she was like, you know, I want my marriage to go well. And Oprah was just like, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Well, maybe this is the thing about her is that there's a real humanness mm. to Whitney Houston, which makes her so accessible is the mm. word I want to use. Relatable isn't quite the word, but mm. like the, you know, and, and that humanness is like when she's in performance and when she's singing, but also when she's, you know, in those interview situations as well. Mm. And she was so... You know, there was a real openness about the issues that were going on in her life. And yeah, I must admit, I'm not hugely kind of knowledgeable about like the last few years of her life. Mm. I know I know sort of facts like there was a documentary. I read a book mm. and it mentioned the documentary. Did you see any? Because I haven't seen anything like that. I sort of refuse to watch it because yeah, it feels like trauma porn to me. I'm and, so glad you said that because that's how I feel about and it. And like I want to... I want to celebrate her and not and not feed into that and feed into that narrative. What what I should mention though, and um, I know that you've listened to it, is that there is a wonderful episode of the podcast still processing about Whitney Houston, mm. um, and we will link to that in the show notes because it goes into so much more detail than what we're talking about here, and it really does justice to the uh, the sort of broader social issues around Whitney Houston because there was this whole, you know, particularly her first two albums, there was this whole dynamic around her being like the acceptable black person mm -hmm. in the recording industry and how that led to her sort of being ostracised in a way from the black music community. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think that really... That's so... That's such an interesting and really deeply upsetting aspect as well because the other thing I think I find really um interesting about Whitney Houston is her aloneness mm. like she strikes me as somebody who was very alone in all sorts of ways for all sorts of reasons mm. and that really comes through in in her music as well like she's singing to somebody that's not there Oh my gosh, absence. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, yes, you got it. That's what that's one of the things that I adore about like so her music videos and stuff. It, I just feel like so I want to dance with somebody, which I think they mentioned in still processing mm. as well. And they're they're kind of like, as I'm sure that both of us love like the wigs, the mm. the, the dresses. Right. Like, uh, it's perfection in every way. And it's also a kind of weird short film in a way mm. she's like dancing up and down a corridor and opening doors and there's no one there mm. or she's opening doors mm. and like there's a couple dancing on their own or it's just all a bit yeah, abstract yeah, yeah. and weird and um yeah 
that, basically, absence. She's singing. But like, saving all my loving for you, I will always love you, I have nothing. There's there's nobody there. Yep. There's She's a- alone. Mm-hmm. And like the my love is your love even, yep. which is much more recent. And she's alone on that as well. She's like, she gets onto a, a stage. <gasps> oh and-, and that's all right, but it's not okay. Yeah. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that song. Ugh. And it's honest again. So it's good. like, you know, I looked in your phone and there was another number there. I so know. I'm off. Pack your bags. Yeah. Bye. Get up and leave. Yeah. Don't you dare come running back to me. So I think, yeah, the absence thing is really interesting to me. I'm going to like sit and think about that for a while. Mm. Because I think I'm somebody as well that's experienced a lot of aloneness in my life. Mm-hmm. And like the like the resonance with. Whitney Houston. I mean, it, I always knew it was deep, but it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> I love this. I love that we're using Whitney Houston as like a therapy tool right now. I mean, why well, wouldn't she be? Well, this is the thing is that, you know, we, if we think, if we sort of circle back to yoga, mm. we think about, so within some yoga traditions, there's this, um, the, you have the bhakti tradition, which is the the you know bhakti is the energy of sort of devotion and it's that feeling of like heart expansive like you know you feel your heart grow 10 sizes in your chest and connection and joy and community and and all of these things um and it's much more than that but Mm. you know bhakti is a is a feeling that Mm. you can have in your body Mm -hmm. um and singing and chanting and mantra are all ways of cultivating bhakti mm-hmm. um but for me like you can access it through whitney houston yep and this sort of like heart expansiveness i think particularly when we live in a world which you know often we need to feel closed and guarded and like you know in the context of the past 18 months you know Mm. connection and contact has been really reduced and really limited Mm. having a vehicle to sort of instantly transport you into that sense of like oh there's somebody here with me and it's Whitney Houston (laughs) I think is I think is a really important thing yeah I agree that's a lovely way to yeah I hadn't really thought of the back to yoga and Whitney Houston connection but you're right you yeah you I feel like in her voice, in the in the delivery, in the in the talent, in the mm. pure talent mm. of the the, the technical uh, incredibleness of her voice, and the way that we that you were saying, you know, we were saying she brings her whole self into it, and she's also kind of giving. She knows that she's giving, mm. and she knows she's welcoming you into that space. Very self aware. Very self aware, and so what else could we do but to feel that we can step into that and there are so many artists that don't you know that's not their thing they're not offering you a space to step into and kind of mm. feel connected mm. um to these bigger these these big huge things that you feel connected to love hope you know fear like loss absence mm. and you can yeah you can access some space to 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 work through those things Mm. whilst listening to her for sure yeah i love that well i we could talk about we could keep going (laughs) but uh we are running out of time so where can our listeners find you if they want to see what you're up to 
You can find me on uh, Instagram. I have two accounts. One is with Najia and that will show you where to come to my yoga classes, which, by the way, have lots of Whitney Houston on the <laughs> soundtracks always. Um, and yeah, um, and like deep listening and meditation. And then I have another account, which is Najia Baji, which will show my artwork more and my work with the Mosaic Rooms, my creative learning curation. Um, um, so I would say they're probably the best ways to find me. I also have a website, which is with Najia um, and another one for art, which is Najia Baji. So, you know... <laughs> We will, Too many things. we will, we will pop the links to those um, in the show notes. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Najia. This has just been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about Whitney Houston for so long. Me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think, and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out. Why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.